0: This episode of Finding Demo Surfishing is been brought to you by The Sinker Guy. Head on over to thesinkerguy.com and take a look at all the stuff that Chip has in the Sinker Guy Garage. Rigs, he's got you covered. Sinkers, I mean, he's got plenty of them. It's in his name. He's got the best Sputnik that I've used. I like them. Uh, definitely the number one product that I'm always out there utilizing. But not, on, not only that, he's also got a whole bunch of other things. You need terminal tackle or you need support equipment, Chip's got it in the Sinker Guy Garage. So again, head on over to TheSinkerGuy.com, take a look at all that, get your order in, fast shipping, you'll be ready to rock and roll within a couple days. Thanks Chip for always being a part of this show. This week we're changing gears on you, and we're doing one of my, and I won't say, i well I haven't said it out loud, but I'll say it. One of my favorite kinds of episodes is the listener episodes, when I get to actually talk to the listeners. And yes, I actually want to talk to you. I want you to come on the show. I want you to spare your, or share your knowledge. I want you to be interactive with this because this isn't just my platform for knowledge. It's all-encompassing. I want everybody to be able to spit something that's going to help somebody out in the surf or on the pier, even in a kayak. we got a lot of different anglers that have come on here, and every one of them has brought something to the table. So this week, we're actually going into the uh, Ohio area. <laughs> we're talking with Mr. Jim Morrison and we're going to be talking about some fishing from up there and of course, because it is such a recent event, we'll be talking about recent events but we're also going to talk about Outer Banks fishing and some other in the saltwater and the surf so you're listening to Find a Demo Surf Fishing here we go <laughs> Ah, yes. New week. Hope you are doing well wherever you are and whatever it is you are doing. Hopefully you're what, listening to this out watching. Yeah, no, that ain't happening. Hopefully you're listening to this out at the beach or on your way to get out there and get some surf and uh, fishing in. Get that limit set up. Lots of great fishing is going to start here. We're moving into the fall. These temperatures are dropping. Water temperatures coming to that right bit to get out of the summer. Lots of good species coming in. So, like I said, this week we are doing the listener episode, and we're talking with Mr. Jim Morrison, and it is going to be a blast. So, without further ado, Jim, welcome to the show, man.
1: Hey, Brian. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here.
0: Well, I'm excited to have you. I know we've talked on and off a little bit here and there, trying to get this thing situated, and we finally do, and now I'm like, okay, moment's real. Don't (laughs) screw it up, Brian. We can
1: throw some jokes (laughs) out about my name. Still alive.
0: No, the, uh, I'm not doing classic it. classic Tim Morrison in The Doors. <laughs> I loved it when I saw it. I was like, mm. I could I could just hear the theme song. And I was like, this is cool. This is going to be a fun one. <laughs> so uh, you're up in the Ohio area, and you do a lot of fishing up there. You, you've been fishing a lot your whole life. So I'm not going to get into that and cut that. We're just going to get right into it. I'm going to ask you that first question and let you just run it, man. Tell us your story, and what got you into fishing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up, um, I'm about five miles from the shores of Lake Erie and we have a ton of fishing opportunities up here now, especially that I'm older, but, you know, growing up, I'm, I'm like a lot of your other listeners. You know, I grew up with a fishing pole in my hand and an uncle who had a pond and, you know, catching bluegills and things like that. And then eventually, you know, once my buddies and I were able to ride our bikes to the river, we stumbled upon, you know, the steelhead. And a lot of people are familiar with the Lake Erie and Lake Ontario run steelhead. And, uh, Eventually that grew to muskie fishing. I I had a boss, um, as I was in the college era who had a boat and was really into muskie fishing and, you know, muskies are the apex predator of freshwater. Um, certainly I, I think one of the most challenging to catch and, you know, I, I bought a boat and started chasing that world. And, uh, yeah, for, from there it's just grown. I, uh, started my saltwater fishing adventures with, believe it or not, an ex-girlfriend who used to go to the Outer Banks a lot and, we started going there. Um, I bought a surf fishing pole at the at the shop. And I'll never forget, the very first fish I ever caught was a, uh, a kingfish, you know, a, a mullet in the surf on fish bites. True story. And that was nice. about 10 years ago, right when the fish bites uh, came out. You caught a mullet on a fish bite? Yeah, so I, I should take that back you know in the northern areas you know the the kingfish sea mullet they call them oh okay Um, i'm tracking now not like mullet like me i got like excited i'm all like oh my oh my (laughs) god why haven't i known this (laughs) yep yeah northern kingfish as they call them up up where we're at
0: okay cool so the outer banks that was your that's man that's a hell of an introduction into the surf fishing
1: world It really was. Yeah. And and the problem at the time was 10 years ago, believe it or not, it wasn't as busy as it is now. And, you know, I went to the bait shop and I found myself one of maybe three guys in the area that I was fishing. And, uh, you know, I inevitably talked to some people and and got some advice. And, um, the second fish I ever caught in the the surf was a a three foot shark. So hence, uh, you know, from that point forward, it was just a straight addiction. Yeah, Yeah. I can
0: imagine that's a, that man, you you went from the extremes on two levels there. I mean, you basically hanging out in the freshwater and yeah, you know that's 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 real fishing right there, because that's that's a lot of work. And then you went right into like, you know, Fenway Park to to the mecca of <laughs> surf fishing over to the Outer Banks. I was like, all right, let's do this. Uh, that's that's intense. Yeah, then,
1: you're not kidding. And you know, we ended up going to to Hilton Head for a couple more vacations, and and I fished off the beaches there. Um, you know, inevit- inevitably it grew into uh you know shark fishing essentially from the beach uh not in hilton head because it's illegal there but uh some of the other areas that we would go and um yeah eventually you know not so long ago maybe six or seven years ago some buddies of mine and i saw the land-based shark fishing deal and um watching guys catch those big sharks off the beach you know i've been obsessed with sharks since i was a little kid jaws is my favorite movie you know very similar to i'm sure a lot of fishermen we you know we really didn't have anybody teach us that world and we bought we bought a couple 50 wides and some some rods and a kayak and we shot down to florida um literally completely blind uh no you know no advice whatsoever um and started that world and, and i can tell you when we pulled in a about a seven foot bull shark about a 200 pound bull shark we were completely lost we had absolutely no idea what to do with that thing so <laughs> lesson learned on that um uh, you know do a little research on on what you should be doing to handle <laughs> this thing yeah, yeah that was uh that was a real trial by fire we uh we fished for three straight days with a few bites um we didn't actually get a hookup again lesson learned you got to kind of let those those bigger sharks take the bait and inevitably the first big shark that we landed on our, our larger gear was like i mentioned that big bull shark man i've heard bull sharks are quite the fight too though they are, you know, um, you know. I, I think sharks are a lot like people. You know, they're all different. We've we've had a shark that you know is ripping drag out when we pull it in. It's a big sandbar, and we're like, wow, that, that was shocking how how hard that thing fought. And we've caught, you know, a ten foot tiger shark that pulled maybe ten feet of drag the entire fight. So I think it's <laughs> it's it's interesting o- over time. Yeah, you know, they're, they're all a little different. Yeah, definitely. So you've talked about a lot here. What
0: types of fishing do you like to do?
1: You know, honestly, it, it all depends what time of year it is and what we have going on. You know, this time of year, as we're going into fall, the drum fishing in the Outer Banks is, is spectacular. So, you know, we really don't bring any of our paddle gear or the kayaks. We're just bringing our, our heavers, our eight and bait type rods. Um, and maybe a few uh, Spanish or or metal slinging rods for those Albies and and those blitz runs for bluefish. But yeah, so, you know, it really all depends. Um, When we fish for, I would say, game fish, uh, you know, anything but sharks, it's a lot lighter to move around and jump from spot to spot. You know, one thing that I haven't mentioned, Outer Banks, I'm sure most people know, you can drive on the beach there. So there's a ton of national seashore that you can get the orv pass now you start paddling shark baits out you're invested in that spot i mean you you're paddling your you know multiple baits you have those big rods in the holders so you are stuck there for a while until we might you know move spots but that's why i really love you know more or less game fishing we we can show up with the drum rods slink some baits out if an hour passes and we we figure out hey there's a better pl- place to be we can legitimately go 15 miles up the beach, you know, and fish somewhere else. So, you know, my favorite type of fishing is really just dependent on the type of year. Uh, I'm sorry, the time of year, and you know, when I can get away. Um, I've got three little ones at home, so it's tough to uh, to break away at times. Yeah, that whole adulting
0: thing, man, it gets in the way of all the other fun stuff.
1: <laughs> you you know, and they're getting to the age now, though. Um, in fact, just a couple weeks here, I'm going to bring my six-year-old on his first official, you know, drum fishing trip. So that's going to be exciting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That'll be a lot of fun. And you're doing that at the other banks? Yep. He's going to get a couple days out of school, hang with dad and a couple buddies. And, uh, you know, I feel pretty confident between me and my two friends with all those rods in the water. The first first rod that goes is going to be my son's that he gets to reel in. So (laughs) we're uh, we're going to try real hard.
0: I have a feeling you won't need to try. I don't know. <laughs> I think I think you guys are going to have that in the bag. So that'll be great, man. That's that's going to be a memory that I mean, I hate to quote Disney here. Please don't sue me. I mean, that's a core memory right there.
1: Yeah. You know, and, and he's caught sharks. He's caught some small stuff on the beach. Um, but, you know, he sees those big drums. He's like, yeah, I, w- I want to try to catch one of those. So you know, we're going to make it happen. Oh, man.
0: Well, I look forward to hearing from you after. I know I'll hear I know uh, we'll both have some stories to tell cuz I'm heading with Abby up to the um kids can fish uh tournament in Georgia for that. We're going after the bull reds and I've never caught a bull red not here. I've almost every one that I've ever caught has been a uh has been slot except for one. Um, I will say that I did have something of a bull red, but I didn't get to touch it. So Justin was there and he could say, well, you kind of caught it. So, but yeah, I've, I've heard many great things about bull red fights. So I'm excited for both of you, both of you out there. I've heard that's going to be the fun one. So
1: congrats, man. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I have the curse of the citation as I call it. I, I've had my rod go off at least five times when I was either doing something else, making some sandwiches and, uh, a lot of friends of mine have a in citation drum on my gear. Um, uh, I have yet to get a North Carolina citation. I, I did get a, um, I didn't get a tape on it, but I got a fish that was likely about 45 inches um, in Hilton Head. My wife and I were there during hurricane Matthew when that was coming in. Uh, the Island was evacuating. We were packing up. We we're ready to leave for the next day. And I was on the beach. Believe it or not, there was a bunch of excavating equipment moving up and down the beach, like large dozers and dumpers. And they had, uh, they had all their lights on and they they saw me fishing there with the rod bent over and they actually turned towards the beach. So it lit up the whole shore and I I had that huge drum on. So that was a pretty cool experience. Yeah. That sounds like it, man. That was my first and only, you know, big drum.
0: Well, only for now until, until the next trip. Yes. Well, now let let me get into my favorite part of stealing your knowledge. (laughs) So with your trips, because you're you're obviously taking a road trip down south, you know, you're going to be fully invested in this fishing uh, when you go out there. How do you plan your fishing
1: trips? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, first and foremost, um, you know, weather. Obviously, weather trumps all. If we can plan around weather, great. You know, oftentimes we don't have that luxury. You know, me and some buddies from Ohio. My schedule can be pretty flexible, but my buddies I go with, maybe not so much. So there's times when we plan to go, and we're going to go no matter what. Um, and to be honest with you, that, that almost makes us better anglers because there's times that we've had to figure it out when the conditions aren't so great. Um, uh, so first and foremost, we try to plan weather. We're looking at the times of year. Um, you know, I know a lot of anglers pay attention to the moon phases. Honestly, for us, with, with so many variables, we just plan the date, everybody gets the days off, and we plan on a destination. And like I mentioned, we do the Outer Banks a lot. Um, We fish mainly Buxton uh, down to Hatteras. We also go down towards uh, Florida a lot. We fish northern Florida, the Jacksonville area, when we do our shark fishing trips. Um, So yeah, it it really just depends on, you know, the time of year, where we're going to go. You know, the Outer Banks from Ohio, it doesn't seem like it's that close, but we can actually get there in about nine and a half hours from the Cleveland area to the Northern area. You know, so if we leave here at, let's say eight o'clock at night on um, a Thursday, you know, we'll get there Friday morning and we'll fish Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and shoot back, you know, be home by Monday morning. So we do, uh, <laughs> that'll certainly test your sleep schedule, but yeah. um, it's, it's a great way. I mean, to uh, <laughs> live in Ohio and be able to, to expose yourself to the saltwater water. You know, at a reasonable price, too. People forget, you know, a lot of these trips cost money. When, when you start flying places and packing gear, um, you know, it's a lot more difficult. Being able to drive there and then, again, like I mentioned, have your vehicle to drive on the beach, that's a huge advantage as a as an angler. Yeah,
0: and that drive, I mean, I would, I mean, nine hours. And it's, it, I can't really say much because that's basically from here in Navarre to close to Miami I'd be down south I'd probably be in the Everglades that's I mean I get that and that's pretty cool that you can do that and yeah that's a stamina run (laughs) you're gonna be in beast mode. it is
1: fueled on energy drinks and terrible food (laughs) peanut butter and jelly work man I mean I don't care what anybody
0: says that stuff's delicious it'll get you through food (laughs) and power (laughs) I agree all right, so you get that, so now you've got the plan all set up there. you got the weather. You know, all right, about I'm going to go where in this zone. you got that all set. Now, how do you select your spot?
1: So that, that is 100% dependent on the wind um, and what beaches. Now, the real advantage of the Outer Banks, if you look at it on a map, is it truly is like a little elbow, right? So the northern beaches, it goes from Salvo down to Avon, down to Buxton, and that's your elbow, and then it shoots over to Frisco and Hatteras. And there's typically, you know, if if we have a Northwest wind, you know, we can fish down on the elbow or past the elbow. If we have a a Southeast wind, you know, we can go up North and fish the Avon beaches. So all depending on the wind and where it's pushing that, you know, the bait and the tides, you know, that wind affects it all. So finding the better spots to fish with a little bit of clear water, you know, we can bounce around and and we typically start, you know, where that, that wind is pushing.
0: Okay, so that's going to be pushy on there. What about any of the other kind of features? Are you looking for anything like that or rips or anything like that?
1: Yeah, you know, South Carolina, I'm sorry, North Carolina, the the coast in North Carolina is is very similar to, uh, uh, I remember the the last episode, the Myrtle Beach episode where he was mentioning, you know, there's not a lot out there. It's it's very similar. You know, we've got sandbars, a lot of shells. So, yeah, absolutely. We're looking for rips. Now, one thing that we do have is we'll find very steep beaches at times where there may be even a two or three foot drop off in the sand where the sand has washed out because that beach is so steep. If we, we can find those areas, um, we'll target those first because we know there's got to be a big gut in there somewhere, um, and and we'll fire one out way deep and one bait you know nice and close to the to the trough there.
0: Okay. So when you're out now. Uh, we were also talking a couple different thoughts here. Maybe my, my brain's telling me two different things. So we're, one, we're talking about maybe the land-based shark fishing, and then let's talk about the drum one there. So when, if you're doing the land-based shark fishing side, how are you picking your spot for that?
1: Yeah, great question there. So for that, we try to get away from people. That's all there is to it. You know, sharks will find your bait. You know, they'll find it. So if, if they're around, um, you know, they'll find it. You, you got to get away from people. You know, I've heard, and it's a it's a hot topic. You know, a lot of folks, I, and I, I'm divided, right? A lot of folks, especially down in Florida, those beaches are crowded. They'll they'll get there at 6 a.m. and they'll say, Hey, I was here first. The reality is, um, you don't want to hook a shark when you have all those people around. That's just all there is to it. Uh, we've had it happen. We've 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 been those guys in my younger days where we said we were here first. You know, we had a bunch of people set up next to us. Well, when you hook a you know, a nine foot tiger shark and it's swimming to the left and there's all these swimmers and your line is there and you're screaming for people to get out of the water. Trust me, it is a terrible, terrible scene. Yeah. So first and foremost, I mean, it's responsible. Uh, stay away from people as much as possible. So we will drive, you know, further away from the access ramps. You know, we don't just pull right in and start fishing. We'll try to drive a, a considerable distance down the beach. We stay away from the large crowds of, of drum fishermen and those types of folks. Um, especially when we're paddling those baits out.
0: That's smart. You give yourself a wide berth. And in reality, the shark's gonna go however much line you got out. That's I mean that's where it's gonna move. It's gonna do what it wants. So you better be ready
1: for yeah. that. Yeah, there's a lot of things that are out of your control when you're you're doing something like that, land based shark fishing. You know, there's a lot of bad stuff that can happen when you're doing it right. So Um, The reality is just minimize the amount of people around, uh, stay away from any crowds, you know, when you're doing that type of fishing. That's great
0: advice right there. So
1: definitely thank you for that. Well, let's keep on this one we're
0: already talking about. So we've selected our spot. Now let's talk about the gear how do you set your gear when you're at the spot and what i mean by that is sand spike spacing where you casting you did kind of talk about that already uh types of rigs and kinds of sinkers Uh, let's go with the drum side uh for outer banks fishing over the land-based shark fishing this time
1: sure sure yeah so i've heard other guys mention in in the past that they use you know the pvc standard route holders and things like that you know the advantage of the outer banks is the fact that your truck is really your tackle box, you know, you can have heavier gear. You're not hauling it all down to the beach like you are in most other scenarios. So we use uh, rod holders called over the waves rod holders. They are aluminum. Um, they have a, like a cupped butt with an open face on them. And it's basically that angle iron, angle iron style rod holder that you just motion forward and back and it wedges itself nice and deep. Um, And we will use, uh, I have, I think I have six of those now um, that we'll set up along the beach and we'll typically um, do our furthest rods out right in the middle. And I know that sounds opposite of what a lot of other guys do, but the reason for that is when those hook up, they won't tangle all of our other rods right away. So it allows those fish, typically when a drum picks up that bait, they're swimming left or right along the trough and it doesn't tangle up all the other rods that we have, you know, closely. It also allows us to like, you know, when we are slinging metal for the Albies and the Spanish and the Blues, we can cast, you know, we're not working around four or five rods that are out way deep. We we typically will stack our our rods that we're gonna, you know, throw out and and let sit. Um, We'll put all the rod holders kind of towards the middle and fan those out and then we fish around them, you know, with our metal as we walk around and you know, we'll see fish blitz or watch birds coming up the beach. Um, there's a lot of activity on the Outer Banks beaches, that's for sure. Yeah, I
0: mean, that, that goes without saying, especially at the point. I, I mean, I've heard that everywhere you go in the whole Outer Banks is almost great fishing. It doesn't matter where, the point being the, oh, that's great, but it, that's just one little added piece.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you had mentioned, you know, <clears throat> Outer Banks, drum fishing, you know, one thing you'll hear is no braid no braid you know the reality is if you're not fishing around people that's not an issue there are people who do fish the point with braid um it is what it is uh you know most guys will say it's frowned upon you know because on a busy day there will be a conga line with you know 30 40 anglers you know and that's not a scenario where you're using a rod holder that's the scenario where you're bombing your bait out and you're holding that heaver in your hand um you know for an hour at, at times waiting for that bite you know a lot of guys might say hey i hate fishing in crowds or I, I hate that i'll tell you it's really cool to at least go experience that once there's a very camaraderie type feeling when when the guy next to you you know may not be great at casting and you give him a little tip and he gets that extra 30 yards and he hooks up and you know comes and gives you a huge high five yeah that's what it's all about we're, we're all there for the same reason you know a lot of guys call it battle fishing well when you actually get out there most days, most of the guys out there are pretty great. They're there for the same reason you are. And it's, it's a, it's a cool experience. Um, just this past spring, I was there and I I watched two of my buddies run up to the truck and run back down. And they were actually heaving these like six to eight ounce lead spoons. And they're absolutely massive. And they're doing that to avoid the sharks. But there was this, Giant school of fish coming down the beach and they were actually black drum Um, And my buddy got a splash bite literally is the moment his spoon hit the water um, About a 50 pound black drum Sucked it up and you know from there on out, you know, everybody started running and grabbing rods and it was you know Pure chaos for 30 minutes, but you know absolute blast. So those are the things that you know fishing in those groups um, I I don't know if I would have seen that school right so you know, you kind of piggyback off each other at times.
0: Yeah, definitely. I love the splash bite. <laughs> it's,
1: it's like, wait, whoa, oh, oh, hello. Thank you.
0: Let's, all right, let's fight.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, even better, you know, when you uh, blow up your spinning reel, or I'm sorry, blow up your bait caster, you know, on the splash. And the fish just starts tugging and your buddy's, you know, digging out a bird's nest. And you're just laughing and <laughs> laughing. <laughs> Yeah, those are. I mean, those are the things I remember. That's right. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at that. I really shouldn't,
0: just because oh, yeah. I know I'm like one of these days it's going to happen to me. So I'm kind of just I shouldn't laugh, but I'm I'm gonna. Ugh, man, oh well. Um, all right. Now, now, so you you bring into a good one here. So let's continue on that path. And you're talking about lures. What types of lures or bait do you like to use or bring fishing?
1: Yeah. So, you know, bait wise, you know, we use what's down there. There's a lot of mullet, you know, fresh mullet at the bait shops. Um, Shout out to a couple of my favorites that, you know, on your way down, there's Frank and Franz, there's TW's bait and tackle. And then um, once you get down into the Buxton area, there's um, Hatteras style, you know, rods and reels. That's Brian Lester who, who owns that shop. He builds a lot of, you know, custom rods and, um, the land-based shark fishing stuff you know he's a great resource for for a lot of that stuff we uh we use um you know a lot of the the standard stuff the sting silvers um i remember tim small uh tim was just on not too long ago tim still yep uh, i love his lures um the beach you know, bum an, lures. any of the,
0: <laughs> man
1: those things are fun. yeah those those beach bums yeah and, and it's funny i'm sure A lot of guys have the same thought as I did, you know, what's with the single hook. And then uh, the first three fish I hooked on them were literally not a chance coming off the hook because that thing was completely buried down to the curve. So I'm a, I'm a firm believer, Tim, in the, uh, the single hooks. Um, So yeah, we, we throw a lot of uh, the heavier metal and things like that, that we can get some distance on. We um, have the sound side as well. You know, that's one thing that people forget about. There's a great, you know, sea trout fishery and and puppy drum fishery over on the sound side where you throw a lot of the typical jig heads with gulp shrimp or z Z-man swimmer or, you know, popping cork with, with something underneath it. Um, Yeah. And then, you know, the shark stuff, um, we typically will go down to the bait house, you know, the tuna fishing and offshore fishing is pretty spectacular in Hatteras. Um, We'll go down to the bait shop about three or four o'clock as those big boats are coming in and get a cooler full of, you know, tuna heads, tilefish heads, uh, a couple big wahoos, you know, you name it. And that's fantastic shark bait. Mm -hmm. You you got me on that
0: one, because when you start talking about shark bait, my brain always goes to the make sure it's bloody and smelly.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, the blood part, obviously, they're very attracted to blood, but, you know, one thing that um, we find is, You know, uh, a a super bloody fish. Great example is a bonita. Um, You know, you cut into them. It's basically like a torpedo filled with blood. Um, But the problem is it's super soft. You know, the more bloody the bait, typically the softer it is. And we don't realize when you drop it out there and you let it sit for an hour, two hours, those crabs absolutely devour, you know, some of that softer bait. So um, like a tuna head you know it's it may not be super bloody but it's very very hard and those crabs have a really hard time you're know, getting it off the hook
0: what was i going to think about with bono but because i mean bonita i've heard a lot about out here i mean i've seen a few different things with land-based shark fishermen uh you know using different things like cow nose rays and stuff like that uh
1: is there any other bait that you really love for that yeah i mean so barracuda um Barracuda is a great example of a super oily fish. You know, if you, if you chunk a barracuda and you throw it into the water, it'll you'll watch it. It looks like you poured coffee creamer around it. It's so full of oil. Um, yeah, barracuda, stingray. stingray's fantastic. Super tough. Um, really, really hard to get off the hook. Um, yeah, that, that's about it. I mean, we'll use whatever we can get our hands on typically. Because um, we, we like to use it, you know, as fresh as week, we can get it. Um, I can tell you, you know, going and stuffing a cooler all the way full and planning to fish for the next four days, not a good plan. Uh, That bait will, uh, believe it or not, I I, I find sharks are much more attracted to that fresh stuff than that, that super smelly, rancid stuff. Okay.
0: Wow. That's great knowledge right there in itself. I always thought to go that route. Well, while you're doing that, you just bring us to the perfect absolute time right now. It is the bait check time. If you haven't checked your bait yet, man, what are you waiting for? It's been 25 minutes. This bait check has been brought to you by Ninja Tackle. Head on over to ninjatackleva.com and take a look at all the stuff that they have available. Rods? Got it. Reels? Sold. Terminal Tackle? Huh. Why not? Fishing line? All day. Well, let's also turn it up a little bit. What about Ninja Tickle? Don't forget, they've got their full gambit of optics and other shooting accessories. So again, head over to ninjatackleva.com, scroll through the website and find what you need and are looking for. They'll get it shipped out to you fast, secure, and you'll be good to go. So now that we've played into the whole land-based shark fishing and all those pieces with that, let's move, because you've already answered that other question, but I'm going to go a little personal here. What's your
1: favorite fish to target? Ooh, that's a tough one. I I mean, obviously I would have to say sharks, you know, sharks are a ton of fun. Um, you know, when you, it's a completely different experience when you catch it on the beach versus a boat, I'm sure everyone can relate to that. That's, that's why we love surf fishing. It's, it's much more personal. Um, when you pull that thing up and again, we keep them in the water, we're not pulling them up onto the sand too far, but when you actually get your hands and you're able to touch one of those sharks and you know, you pop the hook out and, and, take some pictures and send it on its way it's it's um trying not to sound like a hippie here but it's it's almost like a spiritual experience you know when you when you see one of those big giant animals it's uh yeah, there's something very cool about it
0: i things a whole muscle i mean it is just pure muscle they're amazing
1: yeah yeah and in fact um Brian, the individual I just mentioned, the the memory that's forever burned in my head was we were fishing from uh, the night before to the the, the next day about two o'clock in the afternoon and We were so starving and cooked. We said, we're gonna take a break for an hour. We went grab some lunch and we came back. Well, Brian and his crew were were fishing the whole time when we pulled up Brian had a 13 foot seven inch hammer um, That they were releasing and you know, seeing that shark with you know, six grown men next to it. And, I mean, it was absolutely a sea monster by all, you know, definition. You know, that that's just like a, a memory burned in my mind forever.
0: That's a fair memory to be burned. <laughs> I
1: mean, come <laughs> on, man.
0: Yeah. Oh, that'd be so cool.
1: <sighs> but Freshwater, you know, where we're at up here, I would have to say Steelhead. Um, just because okay. we get such a good run of them here in Ohio. We've got... um and again that the cool part is you can really catch them any way you want if you want to use spinning gear and throw spoons you can if you want to fly fish for them in the streams you know you can it's it's very uh very open to, to what you'd like to do to catch them i've heard steelhead's delicious yeah uh you know to be honest we don't uh it's a different type here that we get than, let's say, the West Coast steelhead, which are very similar to salmon. Mm-hmm. Ours are a little bit more, ours are basically lake run rainbow trout. That, oh, uh, okay. A lot of guys do smoke them, um, but me personally, I just like to, to catch them and, and send them on their way. Yeah. So, see, you said steelhead, and that was the first
0: thing I thought of was the West Coast salmon. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I've never fished your area. I wish I could say I have, but I, like I've said in numerous other episodes, I am the world's worst freshwater fisherman, and I, I hope to fix that one day but for <laughs> now i'm just going to continue to fish in the surf and make myself feel better and <laughs> continue on there well well we talked about your favorite fish to uh, uh to target what is a bucket list fish you wish to
1: catch one day blue marlin hands down not even close i've i've seen two of them um on a boat i've my, my wife and i were able to make it to hawaii a couple of years back and uh we actually uh, had a blue marlin come up trying to eat the 40-pound tuna that we had on the end of the line. Holy crap. Um, yeah, it, it was, that was pretty wild to see. Um, and I've, I've, we've had one, one chase of bait on a, a charter off of North Carolina as well. But I've been on, I think, eight charters now, specific you know targeting blue marlin and, and big game offshore fish. Caught a ton of tuna. We've caught um, some big sharks. We've caught you know, virtually everything. The man in the blue suit has yet to uh, yet to hook up for me, so I'd
0: love to get a blue marlin. The elusive, okay, that's going to be cool. Man, I'm already I'm already looking forward to following you on this piece and seeing when you catch it. Where do you think you're going to have granted, to go?
1: Yeah, I was going to say that one's a little more out of my control. Living here in Ohio, a little bit. Um, the one that's a little closer to me would be a kingfish off a of pier. Um, you know, we we do a lot of. Uh, pier fishing down in the outer banks when when, when the beaches are tumbling real bad and, and we want to get a bait out so uh, watching those guys do that trolley rig off the pier is, is so cool when when one of those big kingfish eat um, that reel is just starts screaming out of nowhere it, it honestly reminds me a lot of our musky trolling you know it's it's the anticipation it's almost like the trap is set and you're just waiting for it to, to, to go well now I mean now
0: you're gonna have to do it soon so, I mean, you can get a king here, from what I've been told. You can catch king off the uh, Navarre Pier if you ever come down here.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, in fact, <laughs> when I YouTubed uh, how to kingfish off a pier, just to kind of get a little knowledge, there is a great video of a, a kid catching a big one off the Navarre Pier. No way. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Talk about
1: rubbing it. Oh, do yeah. It's like, all right,
0: that's where I have to go? Fine. <laughs> oh, man. Go give it a shot. Well, we just, so Abby and I just finished that tournament, the Navarre Fishing Rodeo, and uh, well, I got there a little early for the weigh-in, and I watched these guys bring in, I mean, one of them had the 40-something-inch king, and it was just a massive fish. I was like, were you in a boat? And he's like, no, yeah, I was just off the end of the pier, you know, out at the reef. And I'm like, well, how far past the pier? He's like, oh, I don't know, 200 yards? Like, you gotta be kidding me. I was like, oh, no, there's a ton of stuff out here, man. You should totally come out. All nonchalant about it, I'm like okay and that's again that's where i'm having more conversations through the day that's where i found out that's where the tuna were getting caught that's where uh a sailfish uh, a couple sailfish have been getting caught uh in the last couple weeks all these wild great fish within you know what is that a mile and a half of the beach just sitting there taunting us every day
1: that's wild yeah it's like a little highway they're probably just coming in and out of there
0: yep yeah i've heard it's quite it's quite the area for it So now you've moved into this one, and you almost answered it, but where would be a dream place for you to go fish?
1: Ooh, I would say Costa Rica. You know, I had some friends go a couple years ago. I wasn't able to make it, and uh, I had four buddies make a trip there. Um, I think they caught, you know, 30 billfish in, like, five days. Wow. Um, Yeah, they had just a a wild trip catching a ton of fish. So I would say either Costa Rica um, or, you know, somewhere somewhere like that you know one of the billfish hotspots. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that makes sense right. so what do you do moving back into knowledge base here what do you do when you go fishing in a brand new place
1: yeah great question you know in fact uh my family uh, planned a trip to new jersey this past year i've never been to the state of new jersey i've never fished new jersey so this is a great example so first thing i do obviously i, I get on google i start looking up you know, what's the area like? What do people catch there? Um, you know, find maybe a couple bait shops that are nearby. I'll be honest, people at bait shops love to talk, you know, picking up the phone and calling a couple people um, will get you a really far way. You know, and actually this highlights, you know, maybe one of the other questions too in that, you know, be careful on the internet too, right? Yeah. You, you can't take every, everything that you read on there, uh, you know, take it with a grain of salt, talk to some people get, get a good base of knowledge, you know, aside from just the things you see on there, you know, so I I called a couple of tackle shops. I found out that the striper run would be uh, really, you know, basically drifting off at that point. We would, we would still have a chance, you know, at night um, which we did catch a couple stripers. It was, it was really awesome. Um, Yeah. You know, I just do my research and I try to find out, you know, what, what are the types of species of fish that are there? You know, what do I have a chance of catching? and, and honestly, part of it for me is what kind of gear could I even get to that place, right? So, um, you know, obviously I'm not doing like land shark fishing at night off some rocks in the middle of New Jersey. Uh, so part of it is determining you know what gear I'm going to bring and and you know what makes sense for those. So, um, you know, plugging on your Ninja Tackle guys, there I've got their nine and their eleven. Um, I'll be honest, man, those those two rods alone you, you could fish for a lot. Um, I brought both those with me to New Jersey. Both can throw plugs great. Both you can throw a little bait on. Um, great rods. Absolutely love both those.
0: Yep. Yeah, the new one, the 7-foot, got me this weekend. I was, oh, man. I, I love those, that whole series. The Matt did a great job putting that all together. And uh, The only one I haven't thrown, really, is the bummy stick, but I'm, I'm sure that if it's anything like the rest, it's going to be a great one. So Eight and bait. Yeah, like somebody
1: were asked. Yeah, if somebody were to ask, like, what if I were to buy one rod, which I have a lot of friends who do, right? They they live here in Ohio. They they surf fish once a year when they go on vacation, but they're like me. They're like you. They don't like to buy, you know, the low end gear, and they'll say, hey, what's a decent rod, or what's a rod that's not going to break my wallet, that I can fish for a lot of stuff with. And that eleven footer, I mean, you can throw metal with that. You could throw throw some weight with some bait on it. Um, that's a fantastic surf rod. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really a good piece of gear.
0: So we talked about going into a new place. Now, how do you adjust your tactics for fishing when the bite isn't on fire?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So you know what we'll do. Obviously, location is is often key. You know, you can't catch fish if they're not there. Um, there's there's times when you know it's just not happening. Um, where you do have to pack up and move. So first and foremost, we'll we'll move locations. Oftentimes just a simple move of location can, can get us some bites again. Um, when that's not working, you know, we'll try to do some different tactics or, um, you know, even some different bait presentations. Good example. Um, you know, shark fishing, traditionally, a lot of folks will paddle bait out and they stick it to the bottom with a big spider weight, you know, a 10 ounce, 16 ounce spider weight. Well, the only sharks that are really going to come to that would be sharks that are typically feeding near or close to the bottom. So this past year, we, we tried experimenting with some different rigs, like a float rig where we used the pool noodle essentially as a, a bobber, um, and floated a bait, you know, 400 yards off the beach. And within 10 minutes of being back on shore, the, the reel was screaming and we were hooked up. So sometimes I think where you're putting the bait in the water column, um, can make a big difference. You know, uh, when the water's dark, you know, oftentimes the fish do feed close to the bottom. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, just different presentations, different tactics, based on what we're what we're facing out there. Um, I mentioned, you know, outer banks. You know, you have the advantage of being able to move. There's several great piers down there. You know, if the beach is really rolling and we can't get, you know, eight bait to stick or even ten ounces to stick we will hit the pier, you know, and and you're throwing way out past the breakers at the end of the pier there, so um, you know, just be smart about where you're fishing and, and, you know, your gut instinct typically will will lead you in the right direction, I think. When would you say it's time to make an adjustment
0: when you're in a spot, like, all right, this isn't working, we need to do something different, how long would you wait?
1: Sure, yeah, so I recall in the last episode where they were talking about the tide swings and, you know, the Outer Banks, typically we get four tides you know there's two lows two highs a day um i'll typically go through an entire tide swing you know oftentimes those tides are going to be a a a big factor in fish moving up the beach and triggering fish activity um so oftentimes you know i want to sit through at least a tide swing so a minimum of maybe four to six hours you know if we're really focusing on a spot yeah, once that tide swings, if we're still not move, doing anything, uh, you know, we'll, we'll find, you know, and, and the key, I think, is find something that looks different than the place you're at. Oh, right, yeah. if the wind is pushing a certain direction, um, if you're fishing more or less a flat, flat beach, you know, go somewhere that has a little more structure. Go somewhere that maybe doesn't have all that wind blowing. Um, you know, just, just think about where you're at now and what could be a little different. Dude, great advice. So like
0: that's a solid piece right there because i mean it's almost the definition of insanity if you're going to drive 150 200 yards down and it's the exact same thing right there the same structure the same
1: flow you know there's no rip Brian, or anything it, like that it happens i mean you'll watch guys pack their entire truck up take 30 minutes pack it all up drive 400 yards down the beach and set back up now granted maybe there's times that it does work but for me um, yeah, you're exactly right. That is the definition of insanity. <laughs> I I used to hate saying that, like, oh, yeah,
0: because I had a commanding officer that would say it, and I was like, I hate you for always saying that. Now here I look at him like, damn it, he was right. It's the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Damn it, you're good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you mentioned uh, you know location too. Oftentimes I'll use my iPhone. Um, we'll find some of those really good holes at low tide, and I mark them on my phone. I mean these phones now you can get within three, five feet of a location. Um, I mean, I've gone as far as standing in the hole and marking it on my phone because there's times, I mean, that, that beach swing is is two 300 yards in some of the flatter beaches in the Outer Banks. So, you know, then, I'm, then we'll cast to the dot, you know, that's on my phone essentially, you know, at high tide, um, you know, and catch some fish. And we'll do that, you know, going up and down the beach, marking some spots, finding some good – Good spots to fish, Um, so yeah, that that's been helpful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Salt strong uh, talked a lot about using um, Google Earth and you know taking a look at the structure and all that because you know it changes depending on when you took a look at the last time or when the last ones were shot. But it always gave kind of that one of hey, if you're scouting, you know, if you're sitting in one spot, like well, let's see what else we got here. It's a great. Tool with all the digital technology we have out there to find more availability or better areas that you could possibly go to, or a point where you need to get behind it for wind. You know, maybe that is throwing you a little bit, and you could use that little cut. Hey, we have so much information in the palm
1: of our hand; it's it's hard not to get the advantage. A hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, a great example. There's another little island down there called Ocracoke that you can shoot on a ferry to. We had never been there. We pulled it up on Google Earth. We looked at a couple beaches, found a great starting spot. My buddy popped a citation on my rod when I was sleeping in my chair. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know that's let that's let my citation sleep.
0: curse. Oh, no, that's a good friend, really, really good friend right there. <laughs> I mean, I could once the rod was in his hand, I couldn't. I mean, I couldn't take it out. No, not not without catching a little hell for it. Right,
1: that's his fish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> well, the... one other thing I forgot to mention, too, yeah, Brian. Yeah, go that, for it. Uh, when we were just chatting about before the tides, right? So, when we find those tides, and one thing I want to mention about that the shark fishing deal, you know, if you are going to target sharks, um, what I find is a falling tide, believe it or not, uh, sometimes works best. And I think the reason for that is it's actually taking the scent of your bait and it's pushing it out towards deeper water. It's pulling it out into the ocean, you know, for more or less versus a tide that's coming in, pushing that scent of that bait towards the beach. If that makes sense at all. That makes a ton of
0: sense. I mean, with the, with the flow and all that, it's kind of like hunting with wind.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And with that falling tide, it's almost like that shrinking tide, um, the the bait fish and all the things the sharks feed on have less and less places to hide you know so i think there's there's two things happening there a shrinking beach is is less structure for the small fish and they're pushing out into the the deeper water where those sharks like to hang out and then it's also washing you know the center of your bait out further
0: yeah i mean when we did the fish bites episode and uh the fish gum episode oh, i mean we've talked and so many other anglers when using live bait, dead bait, fresh dead, or whatever it peace. everyone mentions the exact same thing. Get the scent in the water. Because these fish, you know, what is it? Uh, I think Shark Week said it. Uh, a, a drop of blood, a shark can smell it from a certain distance. So these concentrated pieces of bait that are just giving out a power punch of scent, it's, it, you know, all the fish are like, hey, I smell something that I, I want to eat that. Where is that? And they're all going to hone in, you know, that scent piece with the tide flow, rip currents, all that pieces put together is just, it's an invitation for the buffet and it's perfect. That's it. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Oh, good times. Mm, now I want to go fish. Yeah, you know, it's only nine o'clock <laughs> at night. <laughs> well, we we talked about a painful memory, but let's talk about a good one. What has been your favorite fishing memory?
1: Oh man, I got a couple good ones here. Oh yeah, let's um, hear them. Send them up. Yeah. So my uh, my grandfather before he passed away, you know he he always admired muskies and he thought it was so cool that we were catching muskies. So he caught a, a good sized muskie with me before he passed. That, that's a great memory I have. I got I got the photo, you know, framed in my wood shop. Um, my nephew Mason last year he's uh, twelve years old and he tied his first fly and then caught a a nice 10 pounds steelhead on it, you know, so uh, I'm sure you, you can certainly relate to this. You know, you, uh, with kids, it's almost like you're reliving fishing again, right? It's the excitement is all there again. I mean, certainly I would get excited about a 10 pound steelhead on a fly rod all day still, but it's, it's just amplified, you know, because, you know, it's his first time doing it and, and watching the, his excitement and all those things. Um, yeah, mo- most of my good memories now and and the ones that are really burned in are mostly with my, my kids and um, my nephews and, you know, um, just family members catching fish or, you know, it's it's those ones that you that, that really stick with you, I think. You know, my, my brother-in-law, great example, muskies are known as the fish of 10,000 casts, right? Hard to catch. Well, um, I had yet to catch a 50-incher at this time and at my bachelor, bachelor party, we go out and... Uh, we set the rods and 15 minutes in a rod goes off and he reels in a 54 and a half inch muskie. I mean, Whoa. like world-class. So to this day, he's like, Oh yeah. Muskie fishing. That's real hard. You know, it's, uh, one of the ones that he'll, he'll dig in with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rough wonder,
0: one. What is friends and family for? <laughs>
1: that's it. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, and then you talk things like sharks, um, we had a night fishing in Florida where, and I'm hundred percent believe that it's related to the turtle migration. Um, we, we were watching, you know, these big sea turtles coming up the beach and all of a sudden the rods started going off and we caught in a 18 hour period, we caught six big tiger sharks off the beach, all like nine, nine foot or larger, um, all off the same beach, you know, like one after another, after another. Wow. Just in, rapid, just in rapid shots? I mean, no. It, it, we did have two hooked up at one time. Um, and then when we released those, you know, we had one more rod that was still out there. And, and 15 minutes later, that rod went off. And uh, I think the biggest of that set we was, I think, 11 foot 7 incher that, that we got. But, um, yeah, it was, it was just one of those awesome moments because uh, I was with a couple of my close friends that, you know, we, we figured out that land-based shark fishing deal together. Um, So for us to all be there and, and experience that was awesome. Oh
0: man, that is so cool. I mean, I, I've seen with land-based shark fishing, you know, a couple they'll catch one and then a couple hours later, but I mean, in short, short span time like that, I've never seen something like that. I can only imagine just you're finally getting your energy back and all of a sudden
1: like, Oh no. Okay. Here we yeah, go. Yeah. the. Uh, the ranger was actually driving up the beach, and uh, same same type of deal. He he turned towards the the water for us and shine his lights out for us, and he was mind blown. He's like, "Man, you guys are crazy! Um, <laughs> you know, we're, we're unhooking this thing and we're in the water with it." And we came back, and you know, he had his phone out and was taking pictures. He's like, "Man, these guys aren't going to believe me tomorrow." <laughs> Day so shift. It, was, it was a pretty like, cool experience. Nope. yeah,
0: <laughs> definitely, definitely. Uh, well, you, you bring me right into a perfect pause point. Per- well done. Uh, bait check time. This bait check has been brought to you by DS Custom Tackle. Head on over to DSCustomTackle.com and take a look at all the floats and other supporting tackle equipment that they have available. Rigs, sold, no problem. Floats? Oh, they got them all day. What about these new glow-in-the-dark floats that also look like a sand flea with the gold on the back? Oh, yeah. Hey, by the way, the Pompano run's coming. Not a bad idea to get your hands on. Head on over to DSCustomTackle.com. Get yourself set up for success. Quick shipping. Great product and excellent customer service. I've heard numerous people from the show have actually told me they've reached out and talked to them and had nothing but great things to say. Now we're going to go into another favorite. What is your
1: favorite thing about fishing? Ooh, I would say the camaraderie, you know, what I found is I'm, I'm an extrovert, man. I love people. What I find is um, I actually don't like fishing by myself. You know, I've, I've tried it. I've, I've done this. Don't get me wrong. I'll still go every now and then for steelhead and things like that by myself. But what I find myself doing is like I'll hook a fish and I look to my left and look at right. And I I have nobody to get excited with. So for me, it's the people, you know, I, um, I naturally, I, I talk to people, I make friends, a lot of places I go, you know, great example. I was just in Marco Island this past year for spring break, met some guys, um, that had bought a rod. They had no idea what they were doing. You know i chatted with them a little bit and then later they sent me a picture of a a 35 inch snook that they caught off the beach you know and they said hey man thank you so much you know you you made our our trip and it's it's one of those that to me is what fishing is about i I really enjoy sharing it um it's one of those things you can do from the time you can can walk to the time they they put you away you know it's um, building the relationships along the way i've met so many great people you know down in the outer banks down in florida um You know, I've made friends that I still fish with to this day that uh, I never would have met unless we were fishing. Yeah. That's, dude, that's so true.
0: And, uh, all right, I'm going to make it weird. Please, please don't judge me too hard. No, it's all right. But fishing for me is almost like the military you you develop a real tight kinship with people you serve with, you know you go overseas, you do some dumb stuff together, and you know thankfully, my years when we first started out, we all thankfully didn't have cell phones, so there's no photographic evidence of the stupidity but fishing is almost like that. lucky you <laughs> 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 you have no idea um, but oh yeah, um, digital cameras, yeah, 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 we still had those, so there there are some things that probably are. Hopefully buried in a landfill somewhere, but um, <laughs> you're so right about that. With the fishing community, though, we all have a common goal: catch fish, make each other. Well, most people want to make each other better, but it, it's always just that one of you know cheering people on and getting
1: better. So, dude, wait, wait, you nailed
0: that. Thank you so
1: much for saying that. Really, yeah, we we've got a shop here. It's it's pretty much world-renowned for steelhead and walleye fishing. It's called Erie Outfitters. It's, uh, you know, it's been around a long time. And I, I go in there as a kid, and all the guys are just sitting in there drinking coffee, and I'm like, what are these guys just sitting around in here for? Well, now <laughs> I get it. You know, now I get it. Um, you know, fish are, I'm like, why, why aren't they out fishing? You know, the fishing's great right now. They're all just sitting in here talking. And that's when I realized, you know, the, the fish are just a bonus, really. It's the journey, it's the adventure, you know, um, again, places like the Outer Banks that that will spark a sense of adventure in you like nothing else. Like, you can say, hey, um, let's drive our truck on this ferry and let's go over to the island that's next to us that's 11 miles long and 10 miles of it is uninhabited. Um, You know, very few sports really loan themselves or hobbies loan themselves to, you know, that type of sense of adventure too
0: yeah definitely
1: definitely
0: well let's talk about your area we, we've we talked about outer banks and if you want to keep talking about that we absolutely can um, especially when you've done fishing between south and north carolina as well um, you're welcome to hit either one how is fishing different in those areas
1: than other that you've been to yeah i would just say diversity you know um, and, and again it sounds crazy to say but when you go to the outer banks there's only so much you know in terms of fishing and fish that you can catch you know where i live here in ohio we just have so much diversity in terms of fishing i mean you can um, within a two-hour drive of me in virtually every direction i can drive two hours northeast and be in new york catching king salmon on lake ontario i can go five minutes north you know to lake erie um, the walleye capital of the world and, and catch walleye and steelhead I can go to my tributaries and and target muskies you know put a backpack on and cast for muskies with a rod um you know in, in the little holes of the river you know so just the diversity of fishing that's available here um it's it's very cool uh you know being able to, to target things basically year-round multiple techniques you know fly rods in, in the spring for steelhead um center pins in the fall with with bait you know there's just so much you can do um, in terms of fishing
0: we're going to get into this um, I, yeah we're going to get into the walleye tournament I mean, obviously yeah i know that's in your area like we were talking about we were talking pre-show what is what is it like catching a walleye anyway
1: yeah so you know everybody says walleye fights like a a timberland boot basically on your on your rod but I can tell you it's all in the way that you catch them. Right. So, um, walleye are obviously our, you know, Lake Erie gold as their nickname, the poor man's lobster, delicious to eat. Um, and our walleye fish is really based on our springs. You know, when we have a really rough spring, those eggs along the shoreline don't have a, as good of a chance. If we have a really mild spring, the walleye, you know, blow up. And right now it's about as good as it's ever been. Um, So, yeah, I mean, walleye fishing, uh, there's, there's many ways to catch them. Guys will uh, jig for them with things like Rapala jigging wraps and uh, just a basic one sixteenth ounce jig head tipped with a minnow. Um, And also guys do a lot of trolling for them with, with crankbaits and downriggers and the whole big board program. Um, It's not uncommon for, you know, some of the big charter boats to have 12, 14 lines out, you know, at one time trolling um, on the big lake. Wow. to your point what's what's it like to catch one (laughs) if one is out you know 250 feet on a board and it bites and by the time that you know that fish is towards your bow you've been cranking on it for three minutes sure you're not going to think walleye fight very hard um but if you catch a 30 inch walleye jigging you know with a minnow in the river uh trust me they they do fight they're they're (laughs) a lot of fun
0: well i've heard people mention that they're very tasty um I, I have unfortunately not had that luck. I've got a very good marine buddy of mine who's a realtor uh, still out in California. Him and I served together for a very long time. He's invited me up numerous times to Minnesota to go walleye, and I have yet to go with him because I suck. Sorry, Ryan. Love you, man. Um, But after everything I've been hearing about walleye in the last 96 hours, um, <laughs> it's, it, it's kind of like, okay, oh, maybe yeah. I need to go catch one of these things because apparently they're really good fish.
1: Oh yeah. You know, it's, uh, you know, the fishery itself loans itself to be a great tournament fishery as well. You know, so we've got the LEWT, the Lake Erie walleye trail. We've got, um, two big fall tournaments. One is called the fall brawl. And then there's a new one that's called the walleye fall, you know, the fall slam. Um, and these are big tournaments. And when I say big, I mean, the first prize is typically over a hundred thousand dollars in value. Um, either a warrior, you know, brand new warrior fishing boat uh, or something along those lines. So you can imagine this is lucrative. And again, this is to catch the fish that everybody's already out there catching, right? So it's not like we have to convince people to go buy new gear. These tournaments are, are right on the back of basically our, our biggest time of the season when these fish are getting fat and big. Um, and basically the, both of those terms I just mentioned are one fish. It's all it takes to win it. The biggest walleye caught, you know, in the fall wins that that tournament. So, you know, there's there's, there's luck involved there, right? I mean, you could be the greatest angler ever, and you might catch two thousand walleyes a year, but catching that one, you know, fourteen pounder, that's going to get you the winnings. Right. So, you know, it's a it's competitive. There's a lot lot at at stake. Um, hence, you know, what's all in the news right now.
0: As much as I don't want to be cliché and talk about it, we're, I want to talk about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a fishing show. We got to talk about it.
0: <laughs> I hate cheaters. Oh man, but, but I'm just going to open with that, and now we're going to. I'm just going to kick it to you. So when we were talking pre-show, you were there.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so when the the weigh-ins were happening, you know, you could just tell. Um, and this has been a, a, to be candid, a long time coming. There's, there's been a lot of, um, you know, rumblings about it. And frankly, at the, at the end of the day, fishermen are fishermen, you know, you fish for Pompano. You know you know what how big a typical Pompano would weigh. Um, if I came up to the Pompano tournament and I weighed a, a 20 inch Pompano, and all of a sudden the scale went to 15 pounds, you would say, That's a little off. Uh,
0: I mean, went for a (laughs) 20-incher. I'd still be like, oh, my God, he caught a 20-incher. But, yeah, yeah, that weight, I'd be like, "Hmm, no, no, no. That's what I'm
1: saying. So, you know, these guys catch a lot of great fish, but, you know, everyone knows what these things should weigh um, and to over and over and over constantly outweigh the competition. Um, So after those fish were weighed, basically, the tournament director said, hey, I, I need to take a closer look at those fish. Um, there was a comment, basically something like, are you serious? this this stuff needs to stop. Um, you know, and as he went through, uh, he he yelled for someone to bring him a knife. He cut into those fish, and you know, you guys saw what he pulled out. he pulled out lead, he pulled out walleye fillets. So not only are they stuffing fish, but now they are poaching walleyes while on the lake and stuffing the fillets of those fish into the fish that they're weighing in. so, I mean, so many problems on so many levels here. I was wondering about the fillets and I was like, why would you
0: use a fillet? I mean, that's not a lot of weight, but you just answered it for me, poaching to get the meat for themselves for later.
1: Well, basically, no, I mean, more or less, um, it's just a way to add weight to the fish that that wouldn't seem so obvious. Right. So, but you know, you can't just fillet a fish while you're on the lake. All those boats get checked before they go out. So um they did not have anything in there, you know before, so that leads me to the conclusion they had to take that extra walleye, you know and and fillet it out while on the lake and and stuff it in their fish. That's just unbelievable, man. And again, to go back, these guys are uh, they're tournament winners. They won quite a few really, really big tournaments. so um they won the the fall slam last year um, you know, and uh, the fall brawl, uh, they failed their lie detector test. So they did not get the winnings for that tournament. So, you know, a lot of people are rumbling about that too. How can they fail one, but pass the other with the same fish? Uh, you know, the reality is when there's rules involved and money involved, if, if they pass, the tournament director has to pay that, that them. That's all there is to it. He, he may not like them. He may think that there's something up, but if they pass the lie detector, that's all, That's I mean, he has to pay them.
0: I mean, and the freshwater game. I learned this from iCast this year. The the freshwater game is huge money. I, I did not realize how big and important the freshwater series, all of these different tournaments are throughout the country. I mean, like you just said, a, a warrior fishing boat to win a tournament. You're going to win a boat. I mean, oh yeah, that's a- hundred thousand dollars.
1: Hundred thousand dollars. Oh
0: yeah, and the buy-in is what a couple hundred.
1: Yeah, I think it was. Uh, it's forty bucks a, a man. Holy crap!
0: I mean, yep. That's an ROI that I mean, I will take any day of the week. Give me forty bucks for a chance at that. Oh hell yes! And the worst of this is, it's not the first time I've seen cheating. Uh, I mean, granted, I'm still new in the game quite a bit in this world, but I've seen it once, and it made me realize after seeing that, it's like, you know what? When there's things like that on the line desperate people are going to do desperate things and and the one piece that i always wonder is okay it's been it's happened great they got caught all right what's the consequence now based on the tiktoks and the videos it was like man this is this is a mob these guys are probably going to die leaving um (laughs) i I was i i felt tension i was like
1: holy crap and i'm 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 a thousand miles away (laughs) Um, yeah it's because you got to imagine brian like like i mentioned the money involved here right so let's say the difference between fourth place and fifth place is you know twenty thousand dollar check versus a two thousand dollar check what these guys did was essentially take eighteen thousand dollars from someone's pocket right i mean bumping people down the chain here um if they're winning with false you know weighted fish that means that someone someone maybe won nothing who should have won, you know, a few thousand bucks. And I don't know about you, but a few thousand bucks here and there for fishing, I'm all about that. Um, yep. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's, it's, man, it's, it's rough. I think it's certainly going to set some precedent. Um, so, obviously, there's a lot to talk about in the past. They've, they've won all these other tournaments, and, you know, folks are talking about lawsuits, and the reality is, legally, you can't prove any of that stuff. So my thoughts were, you know, I was chatting with my buddy who's a good, uh, charter captain up here. You know, How do we go forward from this? And the reality is this is going to set precedence where we're either x-raying fish or we are uh, filleting fish right there on the table. You know, during a lot of these tournaments, they have the option for the fish to go to the food bank. You know, my thought is maybe a lot of these going forward, they're all going to go to the food bank. You know, it's not going to be an option for you to keep the fish anymore if you partake in the tournament. So, I mean, certainly some options to, to uh, negate this type of issue in the future. But, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a black eye. I mean, it's, it's just rough.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. And, I mean, the only thing we can do from here is basically get better. Uh, and hopefully they do. Uh, I know this is horrible for me to say, and I shouldn't cast stones, but I'm going to because it's, well, me. I mean, quite frankly, they're, in my opinion, you're banned for life. Any any event of anything fishing, no, you're out. That's just me.
1: I agree. Yeah, that's that's a hard one to. uh, I mean, how how could you ever fish against those guys, right? And then, the flip side, you know, how would a DNR anybody feel confident giving these guys a license? Yeah, yeah. Because
0: integrity is key. I mean, once you lose your integrity, there's nothing. There's nothing else. It's it's just the jarhead in me and the human in me I don't know but once your integrity is compromised i I will be the first to tell you it's gonna be hard to trust you again and that's that's just unfortunate
1: so. yeah well now yeah, that shout out to Jason uh Jason uh fisher he was the tournament director there who noticed that and he called it out so you know huge shout out to him for for doing that because otherwise I mean who knows how long this could have gone on for yeah was he the guy in the glasses that did the cut he is, yeah, who, who basically seems like a cage fighter when he finds him. He's screaming.
0: Oh, dude, I thought he was going to punch him with that weight in his hand. Like, I thought, I was like, oh, yep, they, he deserves it. Punch him in the mouth.
1: Yeah. That's yeah, uh, good on him. You know, the sad part, too, Brian, uh, there's a, a lot of really cool stuff that also happened during this tournament. You I know, bet. the two, there were two kids who won. Um, they, they did win a, some prize money, I, be, I believe, fishing out of their grandfather's, you know, 35 or 40 year old boat. You know, stuff like that that didn't get heard uh, because it got overshadowed by all this this junk. But well,
0: hopefully, oh well. hopefully that can get brought back in. I mean, the negative is always going to take the limelight, right? There's nothing we can do about that. It's, the negative is always going to sell. It's going to make this bigger. It's hell. It's all over social media. It doesn't matter where you go. the the memes, the jokes, the, all those pieces. Hopefully, some of the good stuff is going to come up. Those feel good stories that are going to make it like, all right, cool. Something good came out of that.
1: It's crazy. Yeah. It was on TMZ. It's all over. The
0: place. <laughs> Welcome to our fishing world. Yes, people. Come on in. We get crazy with it. <laughs> all right. Well, let's start wrapping it down here. We got a few more to go. And uh, one of the things we talked about before we even did the show, you wanted to talk about a lot of these hey, lessons learned, don't do this. Um, and we're going to bump into that one here with these last ones. Uh, I'm going to get rid of that question because it's not going to work. Uh, what knowledge would you give to a brand new angler?
1: Great question. Yeah, so, you know, first thing is, you know, do, do your research, right? We would um, use the internet, you, you know, try to find as much information as you can. But to that point, um, don't listen to everything you read on the internet, right? So that's, I think, the biggest problem with new anglers. I'll, I'll have a buddy of mine who says, oh, hey, I was reading on this webpage or, this guy suggested this on this Facebook post, so I bought it. Um, you know, and he's got a 10-foot ugly stick with a 8,000-size reel for, you know, fishing for pompano. You know, and it's like, well, you're a little out geared here. So I would recommend, you know, call your local tackle shop, talk to a human being. You know, it's a lot easier for them to judge maybe where you're at, what you need to be successful than, you know, posting it on the internet for, for 10,000 people to reply. Um, you know, find someone local. Uh, find You know, go fishing. Talk to somebody with an actual fishing rod in their hand um, versus, you know, someone behind a keyboard. Uh, that would be my best advice. That's great advice
0: because the tackle shops do know they got you covered there. Oh, well, you took care of that one. What do you recommend to someone coming to the Outer Banks or, you know, that area specifically, uh,
1: what do you recommend they do before they start fishing there if they've never been? Yeah, yeah, a couple things there. So first and foremost, Outer Banks, you know, it's notorious for, you know, the eight and bait, the heavers, right? So if you are going to fish with a bait caster, you know, with a 12 or 13 foot rod and eight ounces of weight, um, I can tell you even the best casters in the world are going to blow up those reels. Uh, That's a lot of weight. There's a, a lot of energy throwing. And, I mean, I don't know if you've seen some of these guys with the quote-unquote Hatteras-style cast. I mean, they're throwing that rod as hard as a major league player is swinging a baseball bat. I mean, they are swinging that rod as hard as they can, you know, launching that bait to the, you know, over the third bar that's out there. Um, so if if that's where you're at, you know, first and foremost, I would practice some casting in a field you know, get your rod real strung up, figure out how to respool it quickly. Cause <laughs> trust me, you'll probably need to do that once or twice. <laughs> um, yeah. So I would, I would pr- really practice getting some casting cause that's in perfect conditions, right? Right. When you get to the beach and it's windy and then you got some bait on there, it's a whole different ball game. Uh, but you'll at least have that, that motion down. Right. And then the other side, like I mentioned, uh, you know, reach out to some folks, find some locals, uh, talk to some people. You know, the Outer Banks has a lot of little hidden gems, little areas to fish that, you know, I never would have known about, you know, looking at a map um, or just doing internet research. It's people that led me to those, you know, little gems. So when you go to those places, you know, be friendly, talk to some people, um, you know, ask for help. Uh, I've, I've said to somebody, hey, you know, I can't buy my rigs anymore. It's getting expensive. I lost 10 today. Can you teach me how to tie that knot? And, you know, we'll sit for five minutes and, and he'll show me how to tie something. So, um, you know, I think be humble, ask questions, uh, and do a little practice cast and you'll be good to go.
0: Excellent knowledge, man. Seriously. And, Jim, this has been a great episode. <laughs> Seriously, I have thoroughly enjoyed every minute of it. I really have. It's been a lot of fun. I'm
1: glad. Yeah, same. I could talk fishing all day it's uh you know it's in my blood my kids my my youngest my my two-year-old he's got fishing poles we can't walk by a fishing section without him you know yelling for stuff so it's it's exciting for me it's almost like reliving it all over again with, with my kids
0: that's great man and then you got this big trip coming up and it's just so many good things are for you here in the future it just sounds like a blast you got lined up man
1: yeah absolutely i mean and uh you know I'm, I'm actually sitting in my wood shop right now looking at my uh, anglers mate fishing rack on the wall just empty no rods in it waiting to be filled up i'm uh, yeah i'm dying to get back out there the uh, the fall bite's been great i'm seeing all the pictures pop up of a lot of people with big drum and uh like i said it's uh, part of it is just being there you know it's just such a cool place it's like nowhere else on earth i've never been there Uh, hope i'm not going to be pushing too many crowds there but um, I really do recommend it. You know, if you're looking for a spot to go with maybe some buddies that's new, um, like I said, you can drive your car on the beach. You know, it's like a mobile tackle shop. There's some other cool places like Oak or Coke Island you could shoot to. Um, it's just like nowhere else on earth. Yeah,
0: definitely. Well. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate all the time you gave us today, all the knowledge you did, and I know one day I'll get you to I'll convince you to come to Florida or I'll just find a way to get up to the outer banks and come fish with you. Hell I might even need to come to all Cleveland. the way up. I might need to come to Cleveland and go walleye fishing to actually you finally do the
1: walleyes, it. Yeah. Leave <laughs> the lead weights at home.
0: Yeah, absolutely. They they will definitely stay there. I'll just, you know, I'll just borrow your gear and I'll bring two rods. Like, just show me what else I need. <laughs> right. All right, man. Well, we'll we'll talk soon, all right? Sounds great, Brian. And on that note, it is a double bait check. Apparently, I like to push the button twice today. Who knew? <laughs> this paycheck has been brought to you by Rogue Reels. Head on over to roguereelsfishing.com and take a look at all the gear that Rob has in there. Line cutters, got you covered. Red drum rigs, sold. How about the Demo HD double drop rig? I don't like them toothy critters getting my fish and breaking off my rig and me losing my Sputnik. That rig's are all set up for you, too. Maybe you got the RC Fishing Surfer. Get that set up with the Smitty rig. Or the Micro Rig for sharks. Lots of great stuff in there. Again, head on over to roguereelsfishing.com Take a look at all the gear. and Get yourself set up for success. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. I had a blast talking with Jim. Lots of great knowledge on the Outer Banks area and some of the fresh water, and we definitely got into the current events of the absolute crazy thing that happened up there. And, man, that's just insanity. If you like this episode, please don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Head this out to people. All this knowledge. Is going to help somebody out there. Something you do is going to help somebody be a better angler. So thanks for listening to Finding Demo Surfishing. I appreciate you, and we will see you next week. I'm out of here.